0: And for the past 20 years, she's listened to the same Shania Twain album on repeat every single time she runs.
1: (laughs) Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McCourt. With every new season comes new hopes, new dreams, new shots of glory, new thoughts of making the world bow before you and wash your feet with their tears. Uh, Except, of course, if you support Arsenal or Dortmund, or any team in Spain other than Barcelona or possibly Real Madrid. Yup, as Europe's big leagues open for business, it was like revisiting a brothel full of grannies. Same old, same old. Here to make rash judgments that they cannot possibly back up with any meaningful facts or opinions is Paddy Higgs. Good morning. That, that's nice. Yeah, a good, good morning. I wanted to change it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Nico Durbin. Hi. And after his extended summer break, it's Danny Isroff. How are you doing? You were in Africa, Danny.
0: I was in Africa recently, yes. How was it? Uh, It was great. Really, really interesting. But unfortunately, I have come back with a stomach bug or or two. Oh, no. Where were you? I was in uh, Kenya and then in Uganda for a few days as well.
1: Okay. Doing anything interesting?
0: Yeah, kind of. My mom actually works in the sort of NGO field. So I was um, with her and my family kind of looking around at different projects and, and seeing all the exciting, interesting passionate things that that people are doing out there.
1: Your mum who famously only ever listens to Shania Twain.
0: She's going to be very pleased when you uh, when she hears the podcast and and, and hears that you've brought that up. Yeah, she does.
1: That's her only thing <laughs> that she listens to.
0: <laughs> well, she only she doesn't like music, so she only listens to music when she runs. And for the past I think 20 years she's listened to the same Shania Twain album on repeat every single time she runs, which is remarkable, but hey, she's um She's she's fifty now and still running, so that's great.
1: She's going to be even more pleased now that you gave away her age, her age right, yeah, on the podcast.
0: <laughs> not doing so well. But
1: does she does she does she listen in?
0: Uh, she does listen in religiously. The problem is she's she's not super super tech literate, so she doesn't always know when it's out. But she finds it eventually.
1: Well, hello to Mamie Israff. Yeah, dig up Danny. <laughs> we <are>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it all sounds very exciting, but maybe not as exciting as Arsenal against Liverpool at the weekend, though. Paddy, you saw this one. What yeah, What did you, what, well, what, what did you make of it, of it all?
2: It. Um, it wasn't a defensive masterpiece by either team, let's put it that way. But for excitement, it was great. I mean, we've seen a lot of games like that with Jurgen Klopp um, at Dortmund, um, at Mainz as well. Um, he likes that sort of helter-skelter Tempo to it certainly didn't like the defending that, that Liverpool um, brought along with it as well, but yeah, a nice way to start off the the season at least from a neutral spectators' point of view.
1: And the fans reacted with their usual bout of booing, the Arsenal ones, yeah, the yeah. Arsenal <laughs> yeah. ones. Yeah. They're a grumpy lot, aren't they? Yeah, but they always get Arsenal always get off to a terrible start. I think they lost to West Ham last season, then a couple of seasons ago it was it was Aston Villa, if my memory serves me correct.
2: I mean, this, is this anything to worry about, or is this just? No, I mean, I think the, probably the, the, the chief criticism is that they've been a little bit slow in the transfer market compared to some of their rivals. And, you know, I think the, the, the fact is now if you want to compete for the Premier League title, then you need to, you need to spend money. And all the all the teams around them have an Arsenal have not. And, you know, they, they played with two young centre-backs in, in holding in chambers. Um, and uh, as a consequence, you know, weren't particularly solid down the back. So I think most of that frustration from Arsenal fans um, comes from the lack of movement in the transfer market so i
0: wouldn 't actually read too much into that result, and they, they were missing probably their top three center backs their top two strikes I mean they were missing lots of players yeah. the The worrying thing for me if i 'm an Arsenal fan is that the 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 collapse and particularly the response to going a goal down was shocking it was really, really bad and it 's the same for me that 's the same psychological sort of uh, mental problems, attitude problems that that have held Arsenal back. Um, you know, for the for the past decade or so. And, and for me, that's the worrying thing, not the lack of activity in the transfer window because players will come back.
1: And there's only one man to blame for that.
0: Yes, same man to blame, exactly.
1: That same man had some interesting post-match quotes. Let me read one to you. He said, We paid for a lack of experience at the back and the fact some players are not ready physically to compete at this level. Surely that's an indictment of his own job though, isn't it? That's that's what he's paid to do. He's paid to have he's paid to have the right players in, and he's paid to to make sure that they're all ready to go.
2: Yeah, I mean, can you actually read the last part of that quote again?
1: Just yeah, to, yeah. <clears throat> I'll give you the full thing.
2: Patty. Thanks. Yeah, yeah,
1: we paid for a lack of experience at the back, and the fact some players are not
2: ready physically to compete at this level. Now, is that is he alluding to the players who actually played? in this match or is he leading to players who actually were missing or one like Shaka, for example, who came on late because he obviously wasn't wasn't ready. So I'm not actually not actually sure he's talking about the players that he started, but perhaps the players that either missed or only came on as a substitution. See I disagree. I think he's throwing his own players under the bus there.
0: I think so and I think it's a strange comment. Obviously there are injuries and stuff and you don't want to be going out buying players when, when people are coming back in a week. So I'm not sure you can blame him for 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 not having the right players again. I don't really by that argument, but it's such a strange thing to say after the game. I mean, imagine Rob Holding how he feels, probably taking that quite personally. And he's going to be called upon again at some point in the season. He's going to, you know, have to show that he's ready. And if he doesn't feel like he has the full confidence of the manager, it's going to be a bit tricky.
1: It's Fingers' policy keeps coming up every year, doesn't it? This transfer mm. thing. Where and it's, s- well, where do you stand on it all? Because I, there's two things. I mean, you could see that he looks foolish after refusing to pay the money that Arsenal clearly have or it could be that he deserves a pat on the back for trusting in the players that he has already and I, I uh, Nico you gotta yeah let's let's go with you Nico you've got a you've got a smile on your face <laughs> well I think that maybe
3: maybe it is also the problem that the really big players that were that would be worth spending the money on um, they don't go to Arsenal at the moment mm-hmm. um, whereas the players that would come to Arsenal, they're just not worth the money. And that's when he decides, well, maybe I'm not going to spend 60 million on a
2: mediocre player.
3: 35 or 38, how much was it for Chaka? Um,
2: yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah uh, that was pounds as well. It was yeah. pounds, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Is
3: from my perspective already a lot. No Bundesliga team would have considered paying that amount of money for Chaka, And they played against him for a year or two, etc. So I think there's a there's there's some reasoning behind him but also a, maybe a bit he's a bit outdated and he has to to understand that um if they want to compete they need some some new uh players that and we're just more expensive these days. Paddy, you're don't. nodding your head in agreement. Yeah,
2: the I think Nico's pretty much na- hit the nail on the head. I mean, we looked at the Jamie Vardy pursuit that Arsenal had. Um, of course, Leicester, Leicester won the title last year, um, but this is still Arsenal we're talking about. And turned them down and, and probably a pay rise as well um, to remain at, at, at Leicester. So um, it does show that perhaps they have slipped in in the minds of a lot of players.
1: It's embarrassing that they can't pick up a player from from Leicester,
2: isn't it? Yeah. Well, then the other way is to do it is is what what Man United did and just overpay, you know. So it's a it's a it's a it's a decision for the club to make. And while Wenger is there, they're never going to do it.
1: I mean, if you were an Arsenal fan, you'd
2: want them to overpay, wouldn't you? Uh, so many friends
0: who are Arsenal fans have been calling calling for them to do that. It's just the lay of the land these days. It's the way things have to be done if you want top top players. You have to, and it's not like they don't have the the cash to be able to mm. do it at this point. I think that's the frustrating thing for Arsenal fans.
3: But you see, also, overpaying is one thing, but it's dangerous. You know, if you overpay a player uh, um, and the salary, and he only joins your team because of the money, he's not going to perform. He's not that intrinsically motivated as Vardy maybe is at Leicester last season and the coming season. At the same time, just doing that with one player is tricky as well, because then he gets injured or whatever. Um, and doing it with two or three players, then you're again Manchester United. And um, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money.
1: One of the players they might be spending a lot of money on is uh, Mustafi, the German centre back currently at uh, Valencia. But how much is rumored there? I think it's twenty five million.
2: Thirty million pounds, I think, is probably it could go up to. Yeah. What do you think of that, Nico?
3: Well, he's a decent player, right? And and he's flexible. He can he can play pretty much every position in the defense. Um, but he's not worth. Thirty million pound either, if you ask me. Yes, this season's market, you have to pay that sum for a player like him. But I mean, he's going to be good for them. But I just don't see him being worth that amount of money. You see, like Mats Hummels, um, he he's traded um, for five million to Dortmund. Well, that was years ago, obviously, mm-hmm. and now he's going back for thirty-five. Um, To Bayern Munich, yes, he just had one year left, and it's his home team, um, so you can't really compare those two. But still, um, it's just it's more healthy
1: instead than those thirty million pounds. Mm-hmm. Too much, Paddy. Thirty million pounds for Mustafi.
2: Um, I think it's the going rate. Um, actually, I do like Mustafi. He's never really found his place in the German national team because he's had Boateng and, and Hummels ahead of him. That's um, unfortunate, um, isn't it? Yeah. So it? there's no the shame in that, obviously. Um, but he's 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 very headstrong. He's a, he's a good leader. Very organised. Bit undersized um, for a central defender at times, but um, very neat and tidy. And 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 you know, I, I think he could be actually probably the right personality at least in the arsenal um defense and that's what they need.
1: Right, we didn't really talk much about Liverpool in our preview podcast last week, but they look pretty good. After after a slow start, they really tore Arsenal to pieces, didn't they? Van Aanholt look good, Mane look good, Coutinho look good. How do we think I mean it's only one game, but how do we how well do we think Liverpool can do this season? Obviously there's some
0: very very exciting players in there and I think uh even within the game, you saw the, the the struggle that Liverpool are going to face, which is consistency. So in the first half, to be honest, Arsenal sh- probably could have should have gone in one or two nil up, mm-hmm. um, and, and and Liverpool were really quite poor. They didn't create much, weren't very dynamic. The passing wasn't good, um, and then in the second half, everything sort of clicked, um, and uh, and Mane, who looks like a, a brilliant signing. Um, But but that's the issue, really, is they have a a bunch of very talented individual players who tend to kind of drift in and out throughout the season. Um, And the trick is to sort of get everyone on the same page at at the same time.
1: A lot of people are tipping them for the the title, given that they have no European football. Is that a bit too much, do you think?
0: Yeah, I think it's a bit too much, especially because I would say still Chelsea, who also have no European football, which people seem to have forgotten, are, are a stronger side overall right um so i would give chelsea the advantage if anything in that department
1: chelsea probably have a better left back too
0: yes yes you're going you're not going to go very far with uh, with with the less well, probably
2: it. a better defense in in title to be honest klivan yeah. and lovren yeah uh, are hard working and be strong and good in the air but the, you know compared to those other defenses around the title contenders it's it's not in comparison did you hear gary neville's remarks about moreno N- uh no You might as well start a goal down with Moreno at left back. Well, Someone someone else said that, uh, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but said um, Liverpool are more likely to get relegated than win the title with Moreno at left back. That was the BBC's Gareth Crooks. That's the one, yeah. 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 (laughs) He's a little bit over the top. Well, you know, it was quite tongue-in-cheek, but it just shows that really nobody rates... Nah. talking about over the top what about that um, that top knot that he was rocking I was
0: going <sighs> to say there's some terrible haircuts going yeah. on at Liverpool in yeah
2: shocking Firmino what's going For, on Firmino there Well, Firmino horrible.
1: had it as well right
2: yeah. really yeah. bad yeah. really really bad maybe we're just getting old
1: yeah I like a watch that you can, or I like a, a haircut you can set your watch to and that's, that's right. certainly not what Moreno <laughs> or uh, Firmino have um, elsewhere it's two wins out of two from Manchester United Jose Mourinho Two goals for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And there's two things I've learned about this match. Or two things i learned from the match. Now, it strikes me as a sort of game that last season under Van Gaal, that uh, Manchester United would have lost or perhaps drawn. And in fact, I think they actually did lose to Bournemouth um, away last season. And secondly, some classic Mourinho mind games. He holds one matter off in the Community Shield final, makes him look terrible, sticks him back out on the pitch... Player feels like he has a point to prove, scores on a fine goal. Man's a genius. That's how I conclude about Mourinho.
0: He is a genius. I just want to return to your 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 first point where I think you really hit the nail on the head. Uh it was the kind of game that they really didn't do much in the in the first half, of man United. They looked quite poor. Um and then they, they went a goal up. It, it was the kind of situation where last season you never really had confidence that they could hold the one 0 lead. Uh, the, the difference this year is that with they have individual match winners in the team. So you have a guy like uh, Zlatan, for example, who can go and score a goal from 25 yards, uh, and, and that puts the game out of reach. You know, it leaves leaves sort of no doubt uh, about about the victory. And, and whereas last season they only really had Martial who could do that. There, there's Zlatan, there's Mkhitaryan, there's there, there's going to be Pogba. And I think over the course of a season. Those situations are gonna are gonna make a huge difference. A little
1: bit of Rashford as well.
0: A little bit of Rashford as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought the defense looked great too.
0: I mean, it's a it's a hallmark of Mourinho. I mean, that's the first thing he's gonna come in and do and make sure yeah. that they're they're kind of solid there. Um, Fellaini and Anderera were quite good, which is strange because that's not a that's not a midfield pairing you would kind of assume would. would it's work weird, out. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: But I thought Valencia was great down the right. Oh. Luke Shaw looked great down the left, back to his back to his usual self. And Baye if that is how we're pronouncing his that, name, that is it. Yeah,
2: yeah um, looks looks to be a brilliant buy,
1: really solid at the centre defence. Yeah, and
2: obviously smiling to come back in as well. So um, yeah, some some good signs for United. Elsewhere, Manchester City two one win over Sunderland. Not too much to get excited
1: about, but well, there is one thing I liked about Pep's first game in charge, uh, is that he had his centre backs or not a centre-backs, he had his full-backs tucking in to play centre midfield. Mm-hmm. So you had Gar Clichy and uh, Bakary Sanya, and
2: noted, and, noted midfield generals that they Kolorov, are. And Kolarov, of course, in the middle of defence too. So, uh, just that was, some that was interesting, wasn't yeah. it? You
0: know what it was? I thought it, it, it was an old... Uh, WM formation from from the pre-war era nice. with, with the three two two
1: three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's kind of everything's coming back uh, full circle. Now. Something's been re- somebody's been reading Jonathan Wilson. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Um and then there was the Joe Hart thing, who's made to feel about as welcome as a Russian at the Olympics. Uh
2: it's the right decision, isn't it, to get rid of to get rid of Hart? Maybe not for Willie Caballero, um, but <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I saw a, saw an image um, alleged, allegedly that that Hart had reacted quite poorly to the decision and uh, had punched a wall, put a put his fist through a, a, some graphics in the in the in the city rooms. Um, so he hasn't taken it well, from all accounts, um, and I think he's there was always doubts that he was going to be the man for for Guardiola um he's just not that sort of goalkeeper also coming off of pretty poor euros um his stocks were particularly low um i think it's pretty clear that, that Guardiola doesn't see him um as the number one there's Claudio Bravo looks like he's on his way um but the, i think the fact that the oh, fact not, that not, not Ter Stegen no it seems like it's Bravo what, you know, one of one of two Barcelona goalkeepers, um, but I think that the fact that he started Caballero um, really shows how how low uh, heart stocks are in the minds of uh, the mind of, of Guardiola. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure that uh, there'll be a few clubs in the Premier League who'll be, who'll be perhaps looking at to bring him in.
1: Well, there was rumours of
2: Everton. Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know. Can't really see that. Joe Hart's on a lot of wages. I don't know if, if Everton would be able to Yeah, pay Everton that. Have
2: got a lot of money these days. But yeah. also
1: at the
0: same time he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who'd be happy to sit on the bench. So I think he'd be willing to move somewhere else, even if it means less pay to, to play.
1: Well Stecklenberg was good at the weekend, so maybe yeah, they don't, he was good, yeah, Maybe true. they don't need Joe Hart, true. eh? Also they don't need Yaya Toure
0: <laughs> I mean it was just he was we talked about it last season mm-hmm. as the minute Pep was coming in, there was there was no chance for Yaya to, to stick around.
1: Not looking good for Mangala, Boney or Samir Nasri either. Yeah, it hasn't looked good for Nasri for a few seasons <laughs> <laughs> ever since he bleached his hair. Yeah, um, that, that's the sort of the main games from the weekend. Any other business that anybody would like to raise, Danny? I'm looking in your direction.
0: Yeah, maybe just um, a, a word about Leicester. They um, lost. They 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 did lose, and they lost to the the team that everyone has <laughs> pegged to, to finish. <laughs> In, in last place in the Premier League, and they have no manager and thirteen foot players. It's not a good sign. Um, I think what people were saying is right that they, they lose a lot without Ingo uh, mm-hmm. Um And honestly, I would be kind of surprised if they if they finished in the top half this season. To be honest, Ooh. Yeah, I, I think a lot of things really went their way last season. Um, one of the big things being momentum, and uh, I, I there's so many good teams in the well so many. Pretty good teams in the Premier League this season.
2: Damo, can we mark that piece of uh, audio there? Um, Just come back, we'll come back to it at the end of the season when Leicester have followed uh, or defended their title and won the Champions League, and and we can just show Danny what he.
0: Can can we also mark uh, Paddy's (laughs) audio over there and come back? (laughs) Obviously, telling (laughs) Leicester, don't do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, let's move on to Germany, where Bayern went to Dortmund, beat them 2-0 in the German Super Cup. Nico, is this a depressing sign of the inevitable or something we shouldn't get too caught up in? No, I mean,
3: I can, I can imagine that the, the two season games between uh, Dortmund and Bayern will go exactly the same way. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, it is a
2: trend, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, but I think Dortmund showed that, that they can compete um And they also didn't play with their best 11 in the end, um, Dortmund. So th- there's some potential, I think. Um, nevertheless, I mean, at the end of the day, we said it last week, there's no way over a season anybody can beat that defensive four that Bayern can play. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ancelotti seems uh, uh, to be doing a really good job and... and Putting a good eleven in place there, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Thomas
1: Tuchel, he spoiled the party, didn't he? <coughs> he left Guts <laughs> on the bench. Fun s-
2: police, yeah. yeah.
1: It's a thing. What a fun sponge! Yeah. that's yeah. the the only thing I was watching the game for was to see how Guts yeah. came along. Same. Um,
2: okay. Just one one thing that might fill the Bundesliga with a bit of hope is that um, if you look at the uh, Super Cup finals since it, it returned in 2010, mm-hmm. only one club has won the Super Cup final and then gone on to win the title. So uh, maybe that's the only little bit of hope that the rest of the Bundesliga can Who have. Who was
1: that? Was it Dortmund?
2: Uh, no, it was Bayern in twenty twelve. Oh, oh, I believe oh, classic. So, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, everyone else has, has failed to to back it up. So perhaps that's the one bit of hope for the rest of the Bundesliga.
0: Well, I actually I I was pretty impressed by Dortmund. I don't know about you guys. I, th- I thought for long periods they were the better team. Really, really exciting to watch uh, in 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 patches. And the fact that you know they still had six or seven really quality players on the bench or not even in the squad it, it actually gave me a little bit of hope that they, they can compete over the course of a season
3: yeah you, you did see though that um some individual players such as unfortunately Paslak, um he's just not on the level to play uh, oh he's a really like poor that. yeah yeah um then you see what what you're saying there, there's a lot of hope if you see dembélé for example you know everybody talks I about dembélé I love dembélé I love dembélé yeah he's he's great but going to be a challenge making him efficient. That's that's what's going to be the key. And it was the same. It was the same with Obameyang. You know, he reminds me a bit of Obameyang in the beginning, where he comes in and he wins some duels, but his finisher his finishes were just bad, and he doesn't play the final pass. He doesn't keep his head up. You know, and and that's going to be key. And if Tuha can can do that with Dembele,
1: then then he's going to be uh, he's. He's still a young lad learning his trade, is what I would say. What is he, 19, Danny, 20? Yeah, yeah, 19. Uh, so well, let, let's give him a bit of time. Fair, fair enough, fair yeah. enough, right. But, I did like how he thought he could beat Neuer at his near post with one effort. I thought I liked the arrogance. It was a great touch to get in. Yeah, it, it was lovely. Um, yeah. so
3: surprising for me was a bit that uh, Mats Hummels actually did not look cool at all. That's mm. what
1: I wanted to ask you about. I thought he looked yeah, he really
3: was. nervous, didn't he? Yeah. He did.
0: He Looked did. like a secret agent hummus for a second. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs>
2: All part of Dortmund's plan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, he was a bit off, wasn't he? For a man who so famously keeps his cool
2: in yeah. football.
3: And he, he shot his own man in the back when he wanted to clear the ball and the ball got, got deflected and dangerous again. And
2: Yeah, he let Miang through when he lost the, the curve of the ball as well. Exactly. Um, yeah. I'm I'm sure he'll be okay, but uh, probably not the best of returns. Yeah. Did you hear what uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge had to say about... Uh,
1: uh, about Hummels going back and getting booed by the fans no he said ingratitude is the world's wage it's a disaster that someone who gave everything for the club is booed like that (laughs) wake up Kalle (laughs) wake up I think in the current climate uh, Karl-Heinz if you're listening you might want to uh, rethink (laughs) your definition of disaster anyway all this talk of of Bayern and Dortmund the other big news this week oh Lukas Podolski he's no longer the Germany's most famous cheerleader. He's retired. <laughs> oh, That's on. a bit harsh, isn't That's it? A that bit is, harsh. is a bit harsh. I mean, 128 games, yeah, exactly. 128 games, 48 matches, World Cup winner. Yeah. And he's immensely popular in Germany.
3: Yeah, he he has the third most appearance uh, for the German national team and the third most scored goals, actually, in German national team history. He's a legend.
2: How many Schlager songs have been written about you, Ian? (laughs) (laughs) Which
3: song do you you want to sing it?
2: No, I'm not going to (laughs)
1: sing (laughs) it. We'll do that at Oktoberfest in a couple of weeks.
3: Um, How's he going to be remembered, Nico? Uh, He's going to be remembered um, at the back of my um, World Cup winning shirt actually i decided <laughs> yeah sorry what's this yeah you're going to well, get him on the back I, of
1: your world cup winning shirt yeah yeah exactly exactly okay uh, but in general not just you how do you think by the german public po- <laughs> <laughs> not just by the german <laughs> <laughs> public everyone <laughs> everyone's going to get his name on yeah how do you think how do you think he'll be remembered quite fondly i imagine uh,
3: yeah he he's a legend i don't know like there's so many things it's not just his quotes it's just his uh personality he's the funniest most authentic player um that i know of the recent years and um he he's that kind of he's that glue i think every team can use to to stick and really become a team that's why he was so important
0: so my one it's the obligatory question that i have to ask about podolsky how come he hasn't been able to do it consistently at club level well, he
3: started. Um, because
0: inc- Forty-eight goals in in one hundred twenty appearances is phenomenal.
3: Yeah, mm. and he 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 had the trust from Jogi Löw. I think yeah, he sure. he's, he was lacking trust a lot recently. Um, his his whole career was was up and down. Right, he started Cologne. Um, he he scored uh, uh, double digits in his first three pro- uh, professional years. Um, he went down with Cologne to the second league. While becoming a, a young 19-year-old or whatever, a national player, and he brought him up to the first league, and then he went to Bayern Munich, and then when it kind of started, um, as <laughs> so often, right, he didn't really play much in Munich. Um, he went back to Cologne after a few years. It didn't work out the same way uh, it did before in the beginning. When it did eventually, he then he then went to Arsenal, and and that's when he had a good short but good time he won the FA Cup I think with Arsenal yep um and, and you know like up and down then you have 10 good matches and 10 poor matches so you would say kind
0: of just th- he was in the wrong situations at the wrong
2: times yeah in it's a way. the Bayern the Bayern thing really knocked him back yeah didn't it? exactly it's, bit, it's the Bayern like thing. Goetze,
0: almost. similar uh, yeah, exactly it's yeah. similar
2: Similar. I think also with Podolsky you know um, for Cologne he was the main man and, and moving to Bayern in particular positionally as we saw with Goethe as well it changed him a little bit and he was used in different ways and then even at, at Arsenal he had some good times but often came off the the bench and utilized on the left um, so he struggled to find the right spot for him after the, those initial great years but that being said he still did score I mean his goal ratio per game even at club level is, is pretty decent um, and always uh, always um, yeah, enjoyed playing for Germany as well
3: and he, he is a guy um, that I mean he improved a lot over the years when he was giving interviews and so on his interviews in the beginning were, were funny to be honest <laughs> they were funny and uh, you were like oh man that's going to be an interesting player um, I just think he is not uh, uh, under pressure he is not necessarily a, a player um, who wants to be in the spotlight media and everybody talks about him and so on he just he needs his head free he needs the trust and, and a coach who's backing him and that's when he can just play and forget the rest
4: Download one football, the most comprehensive football app in the world
1: from the sale of Milan to the sale of Iguayin to the sale of Pogba, it's been a busy, busy summer in Serie A. And here to talk about all that is Oliver Fisher from Sempre Milan. Oliver, for those who missed out, maybe you could let us know where the deal to sell Milan stands right now. It seemed to be all signed and sealed a while ago, but as, is that still the case?
4: Well, to be honest, none of us really know here at um, here as Milan supporters. You know, We've been kept in the dark about negotiations for... For a long time now, Um, Silvio Berlusconi keeps releasing statements, reiterating his intentions to sell the club. Um, All we know is that a preliminary agreement has been signed, which means that um, there is a period of exclusivity between the two parties who are negotiating the sale, which is a Chinese consortium and uh, Fininvest, which is the financial group which currently owns the club. Um, And that means that things are heading in the right direction. But none of us know, as supporters, how long it will be until the, the proper agreement is signed. Um, all we know is that a statement was released confirming the um, the aim to complete the transition of 99% of the club's shares to, um, to the Chinese consortium. And with that comes the guaranteed uh, investment over three years of €350 million Euros into essentially making the squad better. So, obviously, if if it does happen, then it's a massive thing for the club. Um, Everyone really appreciates what Berlusconi's done, but it's time for change because I don't think he has the money anymore to put into the club to keep us at the top level. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at at the moment. I think it'll be a a tense few weeks um, until we see that the the deal is done. But, you know, there's been all sorts of rumours online that it might not be until... November now which would mean that we wouldn't have the best squad going into the new season um, so it's all been a bit long and drawn out but you know we're hopeful it'll get done eventually
1: That's quite a complicated ahead uh, that's quite a complicated deal they have there then mhm Yeah. and uh, the one I'm sure the fans would be eventually happy about if it went through it, given that you know that amount of money invested in the squad could really reboot Milan
4: yeah we need it basically um like I said, the, the general consensus is that Berlusconi seems to have run out of money, and that seems like a ridiculous thing to hear. Because obviously, all you see is about his, you know, his private life and his expensive yachts and his parties and stuff. But um, quite frankly, you know, he, he he doesn't seem to have the money to put into making this squad back to an elite level. Um, and he's been looking for external investment for a while. There was talk of um a, a different Chinese businessman uh called the Tishow Ball taking over last year and that didn't end up happening. Um so we need we need um we need this squad overhaul. We need we need the cash investment. Um it seems a little bit a little bit hollow considering it is a team that has been built on developing Italian talent and and building teams that way instead, but you know quite frankly if, if we don't get this money we could be looking at the bottom half rather than getting back into the champions league and that's just not acceptable for a club of this size
1: oh it's really that bad do you think
4: yeah honestly it's there is still that 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 small um that small element that says that there is still a, a big attraction to the club obviously because of the size of the stadium, because of the brand and all, all that kind of thing. You know, being able to learn players like Carlos Backer for a start from a from a Europa League winner and a Champions League um qualified club like Sevilla was, was a big signing last summer. Um but ultimately now we're we're in a position where um, we're not able to recruit the players in areas that we actually need. You know, there was rumours that we were in for Benachia, um from Bayern and we've been in for Mustafi and mustafa from Villarreal because we desperately need a centre-back. Um, but but none of those have happened uh, and they've ended up... Well, Mustafi looks like going to Arsenal. Benazia went to Juventus and that's the kind of thing that we can't compete with. At the moment, we can't offer European football and um it's a slippery slope if if we keep missing out like we have done the last couple of years, you know.
1: How are you feeling about um Vincenzo Montella coming in then? I mean he impressed during his time at Fiorentina but didn't quite cover himself in glory at, at SAMP, did he?
4: Well, that's the thing, you know, the Milan fan base has a tendency to massively overreact and um You know, fact to facts. Montella with Sampdoria last season, he lost his last three games of the league uh, ten nil on aggregate, and that is not the best record to come into a job like Milan um, on the back of. But you're right; he did he did a really good job at Fiorentina. He completely overhauled their style of play. Um, He used about five five different formations in in his time there, and he switched it up regularly. he, he deployed a, a, a passing style and, and good pressing play, good energy, that kind of thing, um, and that's that's what we need back here at Milan. To be honest, is, is good hard working football, um, and we've seen a little bit of that in pre season. But ultimately, at the moment, we we don't think he has the squad to to play the way that he wants, and that is why there are so many links to different players and. Um, We'll we'll just have to see how it goes. But he's signed on a three year deal, um, which is the same length obviously as the amount of investment that is meant to be coming from the Chinese consortium, you know, three years, three hundred and fifty million. So it might be that this is the transition period to hopefully get the club back to the top level and then We'll see what's available,
2: Ollie, um You've spoken about your struggles. Inter Milan, of course, have a few ones of their own. A new coach, um, so in some ways, some similarities between you guys. Who do you think is better equipped for the new season, though? Um, when you look at the sort of the squads and the the, the new guys that are coming in, uh, Montella, like you mentioned, has Serie A experience at least as a coach. Um, who do you think's in a better place to potentially uh, at least say that they're the best club in Milan at the end of the season?
4: Um, it. It pains me to say it, but at the moment into the um, they're better equipped. Uh, their squad is, is is far better than than what ours is. You know, they've got the likes of Icardi, of course. We'll see if he stays or not. Um Jovetic, uh Kondogbia, Marillo who's gonna be a star, Perisic, it's Brozovic, Kantreva who they've just signed from Lazio they they've got a, they've got a much better squad than what we have obviously they've they've had their own turmoil over the summer with the departure of Mancini after what appears to be a fallout between uh, himself and the new ownership there um but on the field i think i think they'll do better than what we do
1: um the the big news of course was was Juventus during the summer the of Iguain and the moving out of Pogba but there's there's nobody that can really stop them is there?
4: No not at the moment absolutely not it's they've lost a big player in Pogba don't get me wrong um, and I think that I think that his levels of energy and the way that he plays under Allegri are going to be quite difficult to replace but um, they've certainly made a, a, a great signing in Pjanic uh, to try and you know reinforce the midfield Um and some signings that have gone under the radar a bit as well, like Marco Piacca and Ben and Dani Alves coming in on a free transfer, those are all great additions to the squad as well. Uh, obviously, they need a bigger squad than than the likes of Milan and, and Inter because they'll be in the Champions League and they'll likely have a deep cup run. But um, their squad is just head and shoulders above everyone else in the league. Uh, and that is something which is... It's both concerning for, for fans of other clubs like myself, but in a way, it's also it just creates a situation where you've got to stand back and say, you know, you hold your hands up and say they've done fantastic business, um, and they deserve to be head and shoulders above everyone else, really.
1: That was uh, Oli Fisher from Sempre Milan. And this is Danny Isroff with his fun fact corner. about oh, that the ch- fun
0: fact about the Chinese consortium. Yeah, go on, uh, tell us. That apparently lots of the money, lots of the backing is from a Chinese uh, sovereign wealth fund. So essentially the Chinese government will have uh, Milan transferring from the Italian government to the uh, Chinese government.
1: <laughs> You've lost me at sovereign wealth fund. It's <laughs> sad to see Milan.
2: Crumble like this, isn't it? Yeah, like I- definitely. I mean, this was a you know when you look at some of the players when we were a bit younger, growing up, like Shevchenko and, mm. and guys like that, Maldini, you know, Costacurta, mm-hmm. um, Dunga, all these guys. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, it was just a, that was an incredible batch of players, and that's why they that were so good. And, and now you look at the the players that they've had to get, you know, like uh, towards the end of last season, bringing back Kevin prince Boateng and, and Balotelli for to sit on the bench and, and you know, look after their haircuts. It's a completely different Milan these days um, and it shows how they've slipped. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to see a club that story, you know, not fall into their hands, but, you know, F- become a, something that we always expected that it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, as, as Oli sort of, you know, said that they need something like this. They need this this injection. Otherwise, yeah. it, it will fall away and, and more rapidly than it has done. I just, I remember, I mean, I grew up on Serie A when Syria was the
1: most glamorous league, around. I just find it sad to see that Milan can't keep up the standards of what they had, like Donadoni. Well, it Donadoni? E-
0: even as recently as 10 years ago, I mean, yeah. Were- that they had an unbelievable team, sure, and it just all fell apart.
1: Yeah, talking of falling apart, El Seria is falling apart, isn't it? It's a bit of a joke now. I mean, <laughs> nobody's. <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to beat them. Like if you buy Iguain, the best player from your biggest rival. Rah, it's a bit like the Bundesliga. It,
0: it is, and the Bundesliga is a good comparison because they, what they've done, I think, is they've, they've essentially taken the Bayern Munich approach. And I think, I mean, the truth is that they're winning the title, you know, regardless, without Iguain, without Pjanic. Uh, I think their, their idea here is to sort of not even pay any attention to the league. yeah, Still win the league and focus absolutely everything on the Champions League, um, which it, it, it's just crazy that a club can can actually do
2: that. Mm absolutely it's, it's, I mean it's the it's the holy grail now for Juventus to, to win the Champions League they consider the Liga just a fait accompli you know it will happen
1: that's an interesting question who do we think will win the Champions League next season should we save this for another podcast maybe no, I haven't Ooh, really thought of it yeah. that's a
0: tough question yeah. let's
1: save it for another podcast this one's getting a bit long mm. yeah okay That's all from us today. My thanks to Paddy, Nico, Danny, Ollie and our producer Damien. You can hit us up on Twitter and Facebook at OneFootball to let us know what you think of this week's episode or if you've got any questions for next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.